I was just excited to create a character who, yes, was Middle Eastern, but first and foremost, could hopefully just make people laugh. And hopefully you also just realize how much we all have in common, even if we do come from different cultures. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Awardist Podcast. We're back. I am EW Senior TV Editor Jared Hall, and I am joined by the lovely Kristen Baldwin. How are you, Kristen? I'm delightful. How are you? I'm doing. I'm delighted. I shouldn't say I'm delightful. That seems (laughs) kind of obnoxious. I'm delighted to be with you. (laughs) <laughs> but I also <laughs> I also do find you delightful. So oh, it actually thanks. it actually applies. I am Thank delighted you. that we are talking about this topic today. But first I want to I want to catch everyone up, you know, here on the Awardist podcast, we're breaking down the Emmys race all season long and you know, we have interviews with some of your favorite stars, uh taking a look at all of the different categories to see who will and should be nominated and as the season goes on, who will and should win. And uh, our guest today is someone who you and I uh, are both just, and I know a lot of people at EW are just enamored with her performance this year uh, on the comedy Chad. Nassim Pedrad is just doing stellar work on that show. It's so crazy, Jared, because... Like she's playing, you know, she's like a 38 or 39 year old woman. She's playing a 14 year old Mm -hmm. Persian boy named Chad. Um, And what's so interesting is like you go into it thinking, oh, okay, that's the gimmick for the show. But in fact, she's so good that you forget that it's a woman playing a teenage boy and you just get sucked into this character of Chad who is so fully realized he's like a total narcissist and he's really (laughs) awkward and he's really self-centered. It's like all these Mm -hmm. things. And he's just so, it's a real cringe comedy, but she's so good at it. That quote unquote gimmick goes away almost immediately and you just get sucked Mm -hmm. into the story. Yeah. And, and really, you know, so much of about the character is that uh, Chad just, Chad is trying to escape his own heritage uh, and he latches on to the heritage of anybody (laughs) else around him to gain popularity. He just wants to be popular because middle school was horrible and he's a freshman in high school now and he's got to do it upright and in the process says and does all of the wrong things. You said cringe comedy. Yeah, so wrong. I think you really do have to be a fan of cringe comedy, though, to get this show, to enjoy it. I know a lot of people aren't into cringe because it's it's just very uncomfortable. And you have to be willing to laugh at things that are uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, you'll know. Watch the pilot if you haven't seen Mm -hmm. it. By eight minutes in, it gets so uncomfortable, like really around the eight or nine minute mark. And you'll know from there. Like, if you uh-huh. can't handle that scene when he first walks into in high the hallway, school, in oh. the hallway, I don't even want to. Like, if you nope. can't handle that, then just turn it off. No yeah. harm, no foul. Not for you. Yeah. But like, because it only gets worse from there in terms of the cringe factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Nassim, the the writing that she did here. I mean, she created this character. Yes. She, you know, she wrote everything. I think she had some people uh, certainly assisting her. But I had just have so much respect for you know taking kind of matters into her own hands. She has a producing yes. deal, and she was like, "Hey, uh, folks, how do you feel about me doing this?" And the executives were like, "Uh, yeah, we absolutely want you to put a Persian American family at the center of a sitcom." So 
uh, I, I applaud them very much for buying into this concept and she delivers. Yes, she absolutely does. So I'm excited to hear your conversation with her. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's delightful. <laughs> oh, just like me. <laughs> Call exactly. back. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, I think maybe we've already said it here on the podcast, I can't remember, but comedy has been so good this past year. It really uh, has. And it's also been something that we've all turned to, uh, you know, for a little relief from the real world. But as we talk about these comedy categories, the, the one show that we're not talking about this year is Schitt's Creek because they're not going to win in anything because it's done. Bye-bye. Yeah, so we don't have to worry about will Dan Levy win in this category because he won't. Uh, our eyes are actually, for me, uh, turned to uh, a lot of my favorites from SNL. Well, let me just break down the whole category here. Here's some for people who we're actor. looking at. Yeah, yeah, for supporting actor, we're looking at Keenan Thompson for SNL, not for his sitcom, Keenan, because he is the lead for that. Uh, Michelle Huisman for The Flight Attendant. Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. Also, Brendan Hunt for Ted Lasso. And Jeremy Swift for Ted Lasso. <laughs> uh, Alex Newell on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Ray Romano on Made for Love, Lawrence Fishburne on Blackish. And I'm going to round it out here with the person who I would just, not only who I would love to see nominated, I think he will be nominated. I think he might be a front runner to win. We'll get into more of that in a second. Bowen Yang for SNL. I mean, if the Titanic iceberg did not secure him That's, an Emmy nomination, yep. <laughs> I don't yep. know what will. Um, he's really had an incredible year. You know, it's hard for new people, newish people on Saturday Night Live. And he's just, he really <laughs> has shown a lot of range. He's our recent uh, Pride issue yeah. cover star, one of many. And he yeah. looked great and he's really, you know, yeah. I, he's obviously going to be in this mix going forward mm -hmm. for uh, many years to come. Yeah. And I love that he told uh, David Canfield, uh, who wrote that story, that um, David talked to, to Bowen the day before that uh, Titanic iceberg <laughs> sketch aired before that episode. And he already was telling David, he's like, I'm just really sad because I, I love this so much and it's not going to make it to air. Like he was already <gasps> mourning it and it made it to air and became... Like oh, uh, the overnight a huge yeah. sensation overnight. Yeah. yeah, I'm so happy for him. Um, Keenan Thompson's always strong on SNL. Love uh, him. He's been yeah, he's been nominated twice before. I think he has kind of the added momentum that he is mm -hmm. also starring on a sitcom and he's still delivering great work. Uh, you know, he's yeah. he's by Coastal now working I don't in know LA. How he does it. On Keenan, no, it's it's insane. Um, but the Ted Lasso guys. While all very strong, I feel like of them, Brendan Hunt might actually be given the most comedy material. Well, also Jeremy Swift. Yeah. Jeremy Swift has some really funny lines. Rhett Goldstein is Roy. Come on. Roy is like one of the funniest. Brendan well, he's Hunt, very dry funny. Yeah. Yeah. And Brendan Hunt as Beard, right? Coach oh, Beard. He's yeah. He like says very little, but the way he does it is yes. so funny. Jeremy Swift, obviously Higgins, so good. Higgins. <laughs> He's I mean, funny, it's a yeah. real embarrassment of riches on that yeah. supporting cast. Uh, mm -hmm. So when you mix in SNL and then, you know, Lawrence Fishburne for Blackish, you know, he's, mm -hmm. they've had a, you know, they continue to have great seasons. Yep. And people are loving Ray Romano, who has a love <laughs> affair with a real, like, sex doll, like a real yes. doll sex doll in this mm -hmm. uh, HBO Max comedy Made for Love. And, you know, he's always very funny. Yeah, it's a crowded field. 
It really is, yeah. I, it, right, those Ted Lasso guys, they're all funny for very different reasons. Alex Newell on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, yeah. of course, you're throwing in music into the mix there, uh, and Alex is very talented. So that's such a tough category. Uh, comedy all around, but um, as I said, my like dream nominee and dream winner here, I think, is Bowen. How about you? Well, my dream nominee, and I think he's kind of a you know long shot, but I really hope he gets in here, is T.R. Knight for The Flight mm. Attendant. And it's yeah. interesting because Flight Attendant is a comedy, but his character, he plays Davey, who is Cassie's brother, um, his character doesn't have funny moments. It's like he has the real dramatic and moving yeah. moments because obviously they had this traumatic childhood and they have this very complicated relationship. So it's also weird to put him up against these other people who are doing such, you know, almost straightforward comedy. Um, but he's so good. He's so good in this. And by he's the great. way, the man mm -hmm. has not been nominated for an Emmy since 2005. It's not and that okay, was for, that was for, for Grace. Grace. Yeah, yeah. Which he was back on this season. Yeah. So, right. Maybe so he, he'll he get a, little... a guest nomination for, yeah. <laughs> for Grace. For that beach scene. Yeah. yeah. Those beach scenes. Um, all right, let's talk about supporting actresses because uh, we have more Ted Lasso love here. We have mm -hmm. lots more SNL love here. Uh, so let's get into it. From Ted Lasso, uh, I love these two so much and I don't even know how to pick. Hannah Waddingham mm. and Juno Temple. So good. From SNL, Kate McKinnon, always reliable, always strong. Uh, Chloe Fineman, whose impression of Britney Spears has been stellar this season. <laughs> yes. uh, all around her impressions are great. Cecily Strong, one of my favorite all-time performers on that show. So good. And then Maya Rudolph is actually in the supporting category this year for her portrayal of Kamala Harris versus when she was in guest actress category, right. and she won last year. And then a trio of women from The Flight Attendant, Rosie Perez, Sasha Mamet, and Michelle Gomez. So like three shows are really kind of dominating the comedy yes. scene here. And, you know, you do wonder with the nominations, whether the three from The Flight Attendant will cancel each other out yeah. or if, you know, I think Zasha Mamet is so funny in that. Yes. I think she and Rosie give the stronger comedic performances of the mm -hmm. three. Michelle Gomez, you know, is more of a, I mean, she's more of a dryly funny character, yes. I think. Mm -hmm. um, but then Ted Lasso, I mean, I can't pick because Juno is so freaking funny. So funny. As Keely and Hannah is perfection as as Rebecca. So I yeah. really do hope we see both of those actresses. And mm -hmm. um, it's hard, you know, because it's not uh, you want them all to win. <laughs> but yes, I really, do. I want, I really, I think we will see both Hannah and Juno, and then it'll just be oh. stressful to <sighs> to decide who should win in that category. I mean, I don't envy Emmy voters in this way. I mean, I guess if you made me pick someone right now who I said would win, I would go with Hannah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I think there's going to be a lot of momentum building for her. I think so too, and I think she deserves it. I mean, obviously, the SNL ladies are great. Kate McKinnon's been nominated mm -hmm. multiple times. And, yeah, uh, and won. And won. And, you know, like you said, Maya won uh, in Guest, and Cecily Strong's been nominated. So mm -hmm. it's a obviously a good group but i yeah. do think that the newness of ted lasso mm -hmm. and you know hannah's character is slightly more leading than i was gonna say the Keely. same thing yeah so yeah. i think that might give her the edge mm -hmm. and by the way the second season will be back kind of in the midst of mm, emmy voting and the point. season so mm, that's maybe some very smart planning on apple tv plus's part there with the release i don't know but i think it might work to their advantage 
you know, it's not like Apple TV Plus is going to be putting tons of money behind, <laughs> you know, Emmy campaigns. They, you know, they just do it for the love of the art. Right. Do they have money? I don't oh, know. Where do they go? I don't know. <laughs> Who could say? Uh, yeah. Well, all right. So lots of picks there. These two categories we're going to have to keep tabs on as the uh, as the season goes along. Nominations yes. will, I think, uh, obviously give us a much better idea, but we could also have some surprises in there. Given that there are so many people from the same show, it might get broken up somehow. Some other people slide in. We shall see. But what you don't have to wait for any longer is my interview with Nassim Pedrad, the star of the TBS comedy, Chad. More right after this break. Welcome back to The Awardist. And now, please enjoy my interview with Chad star, Nassim Pedrad. I am thrilled to be joined by the creator, writer, star of the TBS comedy, Chad, Nassim Pedrad. Hi, Nassim, how are you? Hi, Jared, great to see you again, I'm great. <laughs> yeah, great to see you as well. The last time we talked, the show was about to come out. It hadn't debuted yet, um, but now it is out into the world. And at that time we spoke, you know, we were talking about how it was a very big deal, um, not just for you, but of course, other Persian Americans, they are going to be able to see a show that looks like them on American TV. So what has reaction been like? How are you feeling about it? <laughs> um, I mean, Chad feels my, like my little son that I'm very protective of. And it was yeah. a little overwhelming to finally get to that premiere date, but in the best way. I was so excited to finally get to share him with audiences. And our, our little baby's doing okay. He's out there. <laughs> um, he's found his little fan base and people seem to be enjoying the show and finding it funny. And um, I could not be more grateful for that. And yeah, it's been also cool to speak to Persian Americans, you know, or even like I, I, I didn't think I would see a family that felt similar to mine on American television. And that's, that's an awesome thing to get to share. I certainly didn't necessarily feel like I had that growing up. And it's cool to see people that, you know, you can relate to that um, feel like they represent a part of your piece of your upbringing um, in mainstream TV. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I think you should be very proud. It's weird in the year 2021 to still be saying that things are like a first or groundbreaking, but here we are. Uh, and those things are still happening. So kudos to you. Kudos to the network, to the <laughs> studio executives who said, yeah. yes, we absolutely want this show. Honestly, that's how, that is how I feel. And not just in letting the show exist, but really the partnership with this particular network, with TBS, um, they've been really supportive in making sure that this isn't just like checking off a box when it comes to representation, right. but that it's done authentically and in an honest way and that, you know, because it's not just about having a Middle Eastern character on TV, but rather what was important for me was to have one that was written from an empathetic place mm -hmm. and um, had depth and humanity, a character that was funny and nuanced and flawed and had flaws that were relatable. You know, when you speak about representation, that's you know, sort of the ideal way of doing it. Um, yeah, getting rid of those stereotypes that are so yeah. tired at this point. Yeah, I definitely grew up with 
you know, what little representation there, there was of Middle Eastern people on TV felt pretty negative and uh, disparaging at times, you know, and so I was just excited to create a character who, yes, was Middle Eastern, but first and foremost, could hopefully just make people laugh. And in that regard, while the show does explore cultural specificity and things that are unique to my specific upbringing as a Persian American, hopefully you also just realize how much we all have in common, even if we do come from different cultures. And that a lot of the things Chad wants, it, you know, it's not dissimilar to what most of us want, the, the sense of wanting to belong and feel like you're accepted by your peers. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially as an adolescent, not wanting to necessarily feel like <laughs> you're on the fringe or an outsider. Right. right. And he fights with his sister and he's annoyed by his mom. And he's, he's just a <laughs> regular kid who happens to be. <laughs> exactly. Middle Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to go back um, several years because it, even... Uh, before you were on SNL, which is uh, obviously we can consider that your your breakout, your star making turn there. Um, after moving to the United States, you you were raised in Southern California. You went to UCLA. You were in and around Hollywood during all that time. Groundlings, UCB, Improv Olympics. So at that time, like, what was the goal? Like, what were you saying? If I could do X or Y or Z, I feel like I've made it. You know, my. <laughs> My journey's been kind of funny in the sense that I didn't, I always loved, you know, comedy and performing um, as a kid, but the notion of being able to have a career doing this um, felt so intangible as a child anyway. It was like, to me, it felt like it would feel to want to be Rihanna or an astronaut. Like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I have no idea how to get there. Um, And It wasn't until I got to college and began writing and creating opportunities for myself and loving that. And then, like you mentioned, being able to participate in comedy schools like the Groundlings and Upright Citizens Brigade, that it started to feel a little more real and a little more possible. And then I just kept going and thought, all right, well, if I could get to this next stage, I will then keep going. And and I was just able to always get to that next stage in a way that obviously, you know, there's a lot of preparation and heart that goes into it, but also some luck and timing as well. And so I think for me, the thing that really helped my career when I decided to really pursue this was the decision to begin writing. Because like I mentioned, a lot of the kinds of parts I would have even wanted to play weren't available to me. especially as a Middle Eastern woman and at that time. And so I knew that if I wanted those kinds of parts, I would have to create them myself, which ultimately writing is what led me to getting my SNL audition and the, you know, the one woman show that Tina Fey saw that led to everything with SNL. Um, So that became, I would say, one of the more critical components of Mm -hmm. my career. Um, And it also kept me just from feeling stagnant as an actor Um, you know, I didn't want to just wait around for an audition to maybe come. And again, the the roles available to me at the time felt somewhat limited. So, yeah. Um, were, were there ever any of those moments, times you were like, I don't know, like things just aren't working. Do I have a plan B or does, does having a plan B feel like I'm giving myself an out? Yeah. I mean, the only plan B I ever had was early on in college. I thought, you know, maybe if this doesn't work out, I'll, 
I'll go to law school. But then I realized the only part of law school I was interested in was litigation, which is kind of just a performance. <laughs> and I just ended up right back into, I think I just want to be an actor and a, you know, a writer performer. So that's as close as I got to a plan B, but quickly realized there's nothing that would make me happier than getting to do this. And I just was lucky enough that you know, I held on to, and I, and I worked other jobs. I was a tutor. I was a, you know, an assistant and I, there were other Wait, jobs. What, what, what subjects were you a tutor in? <laughs> I tutored everything, but a lot of math, which mm. sounds weird, but there's something very black and white about it, which was helpful. Mm. You know, I tried tutoring in English. I would just start writing the paper for them, which is not what you're oh, supposed to do. Right. And <laughs> I, I love the, the, yeah. um, yeah, how black and white math was. So oftentimes I would tutor kids in math. But yeah, I tutored and then um, I was an assistant. Uh, I worked for some really talented people that also worked in the industry, which was kind of great exposure um, to seeing the demands of what it is to be a producer or someone running an agency. And so that was great, but those were just to keep me going in between jobs I would get before SNL. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Um, okay, so once you had the job at SNL, you, you went through all, all those years. Was there anything that you took from all of those years of experience of improv that applied to scripted comedy? And I ask this because I, I've talked to Keenan Thompson with his, you know, having his sitcom now. And he said, uh, the memorization is, I'm totally thrown off by that because we don't have to memorize at SNL. Yes. And Keenan, Keenan you know, did SNL. He had, he had a long tenure there. So yes. That, that's so funny. Oh, I miss Keenan. Um, yes, I would say, did my background in improv help with the narrative component of a show? Like, yeah. absolutely. Because I also, in order to keep the show fresh for me, I improvise even on the show. You know, I'm mm. in the writer's room for 14, 16 weeks. By the time I get to production, I've heard those jokes a million times. And so one fun thing to do is to just open up takes and, and get to play with the material and just mm -hmm. improvise. And, and it just keeps it really fun for me. And it, it it's fun for the crew too. I mean, we're all just like listening to the same dialogue over and over usually. So it's helpful in that I, I literally do still do it. And also, you know, SNL is just so helpful because it's such a grind and you're putting a show together in such a short amount of time that I think if you can survive that, you really feel like you can survive anything. Um, there are times where I'm on set now with different productions, including my own, where something will go wrong, like a very reasonable thing that goes wrong, like it'll rain and we'll get rained out and we're not able to make our day or whatever the case may be. And whatever goes wrong feels like a two <laughs> on the SNL scale because we're not going live in, in an hour, you know? So you just sort of feel like, well, oh, I got this. We'll figure this out. We'll be okay. Um, yeah. Because if you can, again, handle just the pressure of, of that schedule, everything else feels kind of doable. So all of that experience yeah. and, and the things that led to this were instrumental and, in, in, you know, helping me feel like I can pull this off. Mm -hmm. um, how was Chad born? <laughs> so I've definitely played young boys before, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. mostly in the context of sketch comedy, which is yeah. very different than sustaining an audience for a series and, you know, mm -hmm. ideally over more than one season. But 
I just, I thought it would be really cool to tell a coming of a coming of age story where, and again, this is like five years ago um, when the initial kernel began, but like tell a coming of age story where the teenager at the center of it was played by an adult who's in on the joke and has some distance from that terrifying time, um, you know, adolescence. And I just thought it'd be a fun experiment in the sense that you could maybe just push the comedy a lot further and that the show can maybe even be funnier if you're watching an adult play Chad, you know, in the sense that funny moments get to be funnier and less sad because you're not sitting there watching an actual Iranian child, but an adult that you know has some distance <laughs> from that era. And that was sort of the genesis of it and what got me excited about it. And, you know, in terms of me ultimately playing a young boy, um, aside from the fact that I do feel like, you know, my heart sings when I'm playing <laughs> a 40 year old boy. I don't know why. I think I was just such a tomboy growing up and grew up with all guy cousins and absolutely did not discover my femininity till later in life. Um, well, after high school, you know, so a lot of my childhood is explored on the show, but also knowing that I'd be playing a grown woman playing a 14 year old, I really felt like it would be helpful for the performance to be able to disappear into all of the things that sort of make Chad's outer shell from the, the wardrobe to the posture, you know, to the wig and the eyebrows and the makeup. I felt like maybe if I played him, I could get the furthest away from myself, the actor, in a way that I thought could only help the performance. Right. Makes total sense. There's even this um, great promo that TBS has been airing where you're in the makeup chair and we, you know, see a time lapse of the <laughs> transformation. And there's even a point where you can kind of see like you settle in almost like, so how does the, how does the physical transformation activate the mental one? They're very related um, in the sense that when I was first creating the character, I was, you know, just trying to find his little quirks and idiosyncrasies and like even just where his vocal range lies. And that was happening kind of concurrently with the, the wig and the eyebrows being designed and all of that. And it all kind of came together once we had made some decisions about what he looked like and what, you know, we tried so many different hairstyles and sometimes I, I think I have mentioned this to you before, like a slightly different part. And I just looked like Kris Jenner, uh, and <laughs> but I, it was just, wig was a very specific thing to get right. And I think, you know, we landed in a place that is right for this character, but that was a process. And once we landed on what it would look like, that really helped the performance. It helped fuel that because I, I could just kind of slip into him and then play with like the way he walks and talks and sounds and, and acts. Um, it really came from just being in hair and makeup and then playing around with it. Yeah. So it, I also want to talk about your cast here. Uh, Sabah Homayun, Paul Chahidi, uh, Ella, Mika, Jake Ryan, Alexa Liu, Thomas Barbuska. Um, how for you are the, are the days different with family versus his school friends? Or is there a difference in the way you approach them? You know, I would say the main difference is Chad's energy at school is slightly different than his energy at home. He's sort of in his element at home. He's very comfortable saying exactly what he wants. He can be a bit of a pill, <laughs> mildly. Um, and he's got this contentious thing with his sister. His mom's driving was crazy sometimes. His uncle he loves but is embarrassed by. And 
at school, he's a little more nervous and that's when he kind of panics and blacks out and starts lying and gets himself into, um, into trouble. And so unless he's with his best friend, Peter, of course, Peter feels like home to him. Peter's a safe space for him, but, but yeah, in, in terms of Chad, in terms of his character, I would say the stakes feel different for him at school than they do at home. But in terms of the process and performing, I mean, across the board, what I feel like is so wonderful about this cast and how I feel like I really lucked out in getting everyone that I did was they're just engaging with him so earnestly. And it really helps my performance. It helps ground the character. I think it, um, it helps ground the show that, you know, the kids opposite Chad are actual 14 year olds and they're just engaging with him like they would each other. And, um, and the family as well. They're dealing with, you know, the nightmare that he can be as if he were a real, a real boy. So in that respect, my cast is incredibly helpful and they're also amazing. Yeah. I, and you know, that's the thing. He, he's very emotional at home, I think in, in a different way than he is at school too. There's almost like a, like an alter ego at school. Is it safe to say that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, you see pops of, you see pops of him feeling confident. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the pilot when Ikrima drops him off, that was a very orchestrated yes. <laughs> drop off. Uh, yeah. He goes back and forth between, and, and, you know, he can be quite delusional sometimes about his social standing and yeah. he's, just, he's so hell bent on becoming popular and unfortunately for him is willing to do it at all costs sometimes. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that writer's room. Like some of the things that you wrote are just so funny. Like I feel like they can only, like a character can only get away with them in the context of what you're doing here. But were there any lines, jokes, even that you guys, like as you were writing, you're like, "Uh, I don't know, like this might be taking it too far or even something you shot that later you're like, "Uh, it didn't work. You know, there's an episode that touches on race um, Mm. and there were definitely a couple moments where we're like, are we taking this too far? Luckily for us, we had incredible black actors in the episode that we had an amazing, Just it was just such a fun, we laughed so much during that episode. Mm-hmm. It was such a collaborative experience. And I had many discussions with those particular actors as mm-hmm. to like, is this too far? Is this, you know, and yeah. they were so game and I think because in that episode, Chad's fetishizing black culture, but he gets called out for it as he should. Yes, yes. Um, and so he does get called out for his bad behavior. And sometimes in episodes he doesn't, but you know it's coming from such a desperate place and mm-hmm. such an ignorance on his part sometimes. Um, but the desperation to just fit in and and not want to be left behind. So that buys you a little bit. Hopefully he is still very much an anti-hero at times, but. Totally, yeah. When you, as Chad, when you're sitting there on the sofa and you're, you just keep turning and looking, I was like, he's not going to do this, is he? <laughs> he's he's going to reach over and touch his hair. He's no, like, I, my roommate and I were like, no, please don't. It's just uh, accident slow motion. <laughs> all of you played it so well, though. Uh, so yeah, bravo! Because like you said, it's so important. Then he has to be called out. Otherwise, it's like definitely crossing a line. Yeah, absolutely. With, with, especially with an episode like that, you know, yep. 
other times he just embarrasses himself and maybe doesn't get right. called out. But um, this was tackling something slightly bigger than that. So yeah. the outburst that this wonderful actor, Chris mm -hmm. Lofton, ended up having felt appropriate for totally. what had transpired before. Totally. Well, on the flip side, uh, away from the cringe, but to the the heart of this show, uh, and especially in your own life, you got to bring your dad along for an episode. I he did. is in uh, the the shoes uh, or in the episode when you're going to get the LeBrons. But but your dad, I mean, was he like? Was it weird for him to be on set? Tell me about that. He's not a professional actor by trade, so it was just I was always worried he was going to like wander into a shot eating a sandwich. <laughs> Just like not aware of his surroundings, but he was amazing. He took direction very well and he took a bunch of naps in my trailer. There was a lot of downtime he didn't anticipate when it comes to shooting, but he was so awesome and we ended up giving him a line and now I'm nervous he has the acting bug and will just be full steam ahead trying to make a, a career out of this. When do you need me again? I'm ready yeah. for the spotlight. Yeah, <laughs> ready for take two. a lot of questions about joining the union and I became very nervous after that. Oh yeah, right. Those, those like, little I things. I'm going to get a publicist and run with this. <laughs> a stylist. That's like, next. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I'm curious, what, uh, what shows are you watching and enjoying and recommend? Um, I've really been enjoying Ted Lasso. Uh, uh, a little late to it, but just started that. Love that. And I, a little personal connection. No big deal with oh your, your old friend little, there. My heart for Jason. Um, I really enjoyed Pretend It's a City. Oh, so good. So cool. She's such a badass. And yeah. I found her to be very fun to take in. I would watch her during mm -hmm. the nighttime baths. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm now just kind of gearing up to start the writer's room for season two. So that's been really exciting. And I have an awesome team of writers that we've put together so far. And we'll start, you know, brainstorming on, on where this troubled young man can go. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see where he goes. I know a lot of other people who can't as well. Uh, congratulations on the show. Really, you've created something so funny. And I keep telling everybody I come in contact with, watch TBS. Like, you can find it. You can stream it. It's You got to check it out. So... Thank you, Jared. Oh my gosh, I really appreciate that. No, of course. And thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us on the Awardist Podcast, Nassim. Absolutely. Wow, that interview with the star of Chad was really rad. Jared? I know that's not how you say your name. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I'm all for rhyming. It's my favorite. And I know puns. You love it. They're all welcome here. Uh, but no, thank you. She She's great. And uh, I really hope to see uh, her go far with this character because she's, yes. she's doing something wonderful here. And that's it for this week's episode of The Awardist. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a rating. And if you don't like it, please tweet at us. I'm at Kristen G. Baldwin. And Jared, you're at? At Jarad Hall. <laughs> at <Jared> Hall. <laughs> tweet at us and let us know what we should be talking about on the podcast and what your thoughts are on this year's very exciting Emmy race. And until next time, Jarad. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's been delightful.